Staying true to America's national destiny, the voice of the awakening. Your host, Bishop E.W. Jackson. And God said, what, what, what about crossing that threshold? I said, okay, Lord. See, because if it's not costing me anything, I'm not really honoring God with it. Amen? Amen. That's why I, I, I said to my leadership recently, I said, you know, the, the, the old covenant teaches tithing. I said, but we as Christians ought to see that as, a, as, a, as the bottom line. We ought to see that as the minimum. We ought to see that as a starting point because the Bible says we've got a better covenant based on better promises. Now, it doesn't not like it's required of us. Or, you know, I'm saying you, 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 I, I require this of you. No, nothing like that. I'm just saying that because we have a different relationship with God based on him indwelling us in intimacy with him. He is our father. Our desire ought to be to do more than what he just requires. Glory to God. Now, look, I saw something as a result of this that I, I'd never saw, seen before. I mean, how many of us have heard? Because I and I have to admit, I probably said it myself. You know, whatever you give to God, you'll get the hundredfold return. But you know what? I don't think that's true. I don't think that's true. Look at Mark chapter 10. Look at Mark chapter 10. This is after Jesus has dismissed the, well, didn't dismiss him. He actually told the rich young ruler what he needed to do, and he didn't want to do that. So he left. But, but this is where Jesus picks up after that. And notice what Jesus says. It says in the 23rd verse, it says, then Jesus looked around and said to his disciples how hard it is for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were astonished at his words, but Jesus answered again and said to them, this is the clarification, children, how hard it is for those who trust in riches to enter the kingdom of God. That's the point he was making, amen? And this young man, he, clearly that was his thing. He, he trusted in his riches. He wasn't about to give that up. And then Jesus says it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. I won't get into that verse right now, but obviously that means it's very, very hard, no matter how you interpret that. It says, and they were greatly astonished, saying among themselves, who then can be saved? I said, poor people don't answer that way. Because everybody likes to make the disciples, they were poor, they were homeless. And they, but poor people don't say, well, wait a minute. If rich people can't get into the kingdom of heaven, how basically, how are we getting in? <laughs> they weren't poor. Amen. But Jesus looked at them and said, with men, it is impossible, but not with God, for with God, all things are possible. Now, here's where I, we come back to this point I'm making about this hundredfold return. Then Peter began to say to him, see, we have left all and followed you. Peter said, we made the ultimate sacrifice. See, we like to apply this. You give a dollar, you're going to get a hundred dollars. Well, you, you might have a thousand dollars in your pocket and give a dollar thinking you did something. You're not going to get a hundredfold return on that. <laughs> Amen. Because that's not the context of this. Peter said, we have left everything, everything to follow you. And then Jesus answers, which means that his answer is to those who are sacrificially giving to his kingdom in the same vein. Jesus answered and said, As surely I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands. Now, houses and lands are both material things. So he's including sacrificing in general. Amen. 
And some of us do lose relationships over our relationship with Jesus Christ. Some people turn us off and walk away from us and don't want to be bothered with us anymore because we love the Lord. Amen. Amen. He said, whoever does this, he says, for my sake and the gospels now. It's not just for anything. For my sake and the gospels. Ah, here's who shall receive a hundredfold now in this time. Houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions. In other words, the world's not going to like it. <laughs> and don't, don't think you're going to have an easy time because God is blessing you because the world's not going to like you for it. it. says, and then in the age to come, eternal life. In other words, it blesses you here and in the hereafter. But this is talking about sacrificial giving. Amen. This is this is this is what David was getting at when he said, I'm not offering up to God what costs me nothing. I'm not doing that. Amen. It's got to cost me something. I want this to come from me, not Arauna. Amen. So then, in other words, and I'm not criticizing anybody because, look, we know this is not about amount. I use amount simply as an illustration. Right. Because one person giving a dollar and Jesus did this, illustrated this with the widow and her two mites. One person given a dollar could be the equivalent of another person given 10,000, depending on where they are in life. Amen. So it's not about amounts. I don't want anybody to think, well, you know, in other words, if you don't give a lot, Bishop Jackson doesn't respect that. It's not about me respecting it. It's about the heart that's giving it and how God receives it. Amen. So, so depending on where people are in their financial lives and offering uh, for me and my wife that might impress somebody else, God looks at that and says, oh, son, you can do better than that. And then an offering to somebody else might look at it and say, that's all you gave? God may be saying, yeah, just like Jesus when he looked at that widow who gave her two mites. The Bible says, he said, see, she gave more than all of them. Amen? Amen. So it's not, it's not about, this text is getting a sack. That, that widow's might fulfill this. All those scribes and Pharisees who were putting in of their riches did not. Because they were doing it to look good and they were doing it because everybody was, oh, whoa, whoa, wow, look at how much he gave. Glory to God. So, so the question then is, is your giving costing you anything? Is it costing you anything? Because, you know, as Christians, we get to a certain point. I think most of us, we could kind of rest on our laurels and never miss what we give. You know, just, just give, oh yeah, I gave my part, yeah. And, and move on, amen? Don't miss a bill, don't, don't, don't miss the money because you don't really need it. You're giving what you don't really need to survive or need to live, amen? Amen, amen. So, so, so saints, this is teaching us an important principle about you're not releasing your life force to any extent if the seed that you're sowing is insignificant. Hallelujah. Look, Psalm 126, verses 3 through 6. And you can go there if you've got your Bible with you. Psalm 126, verses 3 through 6 says, The Lord has done great things for us. Whereof we are, and we are glad. The old covenant says, whereof we are glad. Bring our, bring back our captivity, O Lord, as the streams in the south. Now the children of Israel were in captivity during this, the time this psalm was written. Then it goes on to show, so say this, the fifth verse. Those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. Well, wait a minute, what, what is that getting at? 
Those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. He who continually goes forth weeping, bearing seed for sowing. Now the old King James says, bearing precious seed shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Now let me explain this to you. It's not about their weeping over the seed they were sowing. It's about their weeping over the circumstances in which they were sowing it. Because they were in captivity. And they said, well, we're going to sow anyway. In other words, they were facing very, very hard and difficult times. They were weeping over their circumstances, not over their giving. See, if you're weeping over giving, keep it. But now, if you're, if you're in difficult circumstances, you're in dire straits, whether it's financial or otherwise, and you say, but Lord, I, wa I, I want to sow into your kingdom. I want to I be a blessing to you. I want to be a blessing to the ministry. I want to be a blessing to the man of God. I Lord, I want to do something that, 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 that you, you are pleased with. I know my circumstances are rough right now, Lord, but, but I know you love me, and I know you've got me covered. Now, that means you're weeping as you sow, but not over the seed, but over your circumstances. But he said, well, doubtless come again, rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. In other words, bringing in that harvest. <laughs> Hallelujah. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy is coming in the morning. Amen. Amen. See, this is the same principle that is announced in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. He who sows sparingly. Now, see, now you see sparingly is not about the amount. It's about the significance of the seed. He who sows sparingly, meaning like, well, I won't miss this here. That's sparingly. Look, therapy, I, I told you, I used to do um, Bill Maher when he had Politically Incorrect. I was on there one time uh, with a bunch of actors, and Samuel Jackson was one of them. And Samuel Jackson, they you know, engaged me in a discussion about being saved. Uh, and, of course, that woman, what's her name, Griffith, the one who held up the head of... Yeah, Kathy Griffith. Uh, she was one of the people who got, oh, my goodness. She, I mean, the demons just came flooding out when I told her you needed Jesus to be saved. And she you are you telling us that our, we've got to accept your Jesus? I said, yeah, I'm telling you. I'm telling everybody in the audience, telling everybody who's watching, everybody in the world. Yeah, you need Jesus. Well, they got, they just went, I mean, oh, my goodness. They just went off on me. Um, and Samuel Jackson looked at me. I'll never forget. looked at me and said, I, I could. I could, I could buy a church with my tithe. And then he said, am I going to make it, Reverend? And I said, no, not with that. I said, if you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you will make it. Amen? Amen. 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 In other words, I said that simply to say, his tithe, that he may think, look at all the money I can give. But you know what? That could be sparing. Because he'll never miss it. He'll never. He, I mean, he's got so much money at this point that if he sold a tithe on some movie he did or something like that, he's that's not going to change his life. It's not going to affect him. Not one bit. See, God is not impressed. God is not impressed. Amen. Now, 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 if you've got your head on straight and you really know the Lord and you say, as I heard somebody say recently this week, and you say, my fee for this movie is $20 million, and I'm sowing that $20 million into the kingdom of God. I'm not taking that money. Man, that, that might be a significant seed, because you might miss that. Amen? 
that might be a significant seed. Now, not here again, I'm not trying to put an amount on it, but given where you are financially, that might demonstrate to God that you are serious about doing something for him. Amen. They say that David's offering for the temple, even though he wasn't the tabernacle, even though he wasn't going to be able to be there to build it, was going to be Solomon. Some people estimate the wealth that he donated was $2 billion. And then Solomon still became the richest man the world had ever seen. Because David was a seed sower, amen? Amen, among many other things. Praise God. So look, so bountifully, but don't, don't get hung up on a mount. That's not the issue. Amen? The issue is where you are in your life because the issue is not between you and me. The issue is between you and God. <laughs> Hallelujah. You know, and please don't, don't, don't take this the wrong way. I, I hope you all don't, but I, but I think I need to say this. I'm going to be fine whether you give or not. I, I'm, I'm counting on God. Amen? So, so I'm not trying to get your money. Oh, if I, if I can manipulate a little bit more out of them. No, you keep that. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't want it. I, don't, I don't want anything from anybody like that. Amen? Amen. Amen. But I want you to experience the very best God has for you. Now, I said this, I think, a little earlier, but it bears repeating here. When my wife and I first started out, I mean, it, we had some rough times. We had some rough times. Um, and, man, it was just, I got, you know, I started my law practice. Uh, I started my law practice for the first time because I took a couple jobs when I got out of law school and then started my own practice, I think in the spring of 82, if I'm not mistaken. And I'm going to tell you what, I sat there in a little office I rented and I, I tell you, people were not calling in droves. <laughs> I'm saying I would sit there looking at the phone in the name of Jesus ring. <laughs> you know, I, I came up with all, I didn't pursue most of them, but all kinds of things. Well, you know what? Maybe we need to invest in some real estate. Maybe we need to take one of these classes. Maybe we need to join one of these network marketing schemes. Maybe we need to, I need to get a part-time job. I came up with all kinds of stuff to do to try to enhance our financial situation. I can tell you all that in 50 years of marriage, the single most significant thing my wife has and I have ever done to enhance our financial position is increasing our giving. It's, I'm, I'm telling you, that's just the way it is. It's the single most important thing we've ever done. To I, I've never seen a situation which I said, you know, the Lord is really, really dealing with me about our increasing. And my wife said, well, let's, let's do it. I've never seen a situation in which we've done that in which we haven't reaped far more than we ever thought we would, we would be giving. So it works. Amen. It works. Now, in Mark chapter 12, it says, now Jesus sat opposite the treasury and saw how the people put money into the treasury. Oh, that's right. That's the widow's mite. So we dealt with that. Um, so look, this principle works for an individual. It works for a church. It works for a family. It works for a nation. You know, have you ever thought about this? One of the reasons why America has been so blessed is we are the most generous nation in the history of mankind. Now, with all this stuff they're talking about, America's white supremacists, America's racist, America. Find out what nation has given the most to third world countries. Hands down. The people of Africa, people of Haiti, people of India, people of, in Asian countries. Find out who, what nation has given more than any other nation to benefit others. Here again, I'm not talking about the government now. I'm talking about the people. 
Hands down, it's the United States of America. This so-called white supremacist nation. You can't tell me that has not been one of the keys to our great blessing. That we've been a generous nation and that generosity comes from the spirit of, of God and his word that teaches us to give. Amen? That God so loved the world that he gave. And so we, we, are, we are endowed. In fact, you know, when you read the, the, the history of George Washington, one of the things that people don't know about him is he was a giver. He was constantly giving things to people, constantly sending things to people that they weren't expecting. You know, he was giving money to family members who needed it when he had it, because a lot of times he was struggling himself because, of course, he expended everything he had in the Revolutionary War. I mean, the Revolutionary War almost bankrupted him because he wasn't able to attend to his own estate and whatnot. He was busy fighting for the freedom of his fellow Americans. Amen? But you, can't, you cannot tell me that the giving history of this nation has not been key to our success as a country. It works for a nation. Amen? Amen. And it works for a church. Listen, the, the greater the giving of a ministry, the more powerfully God operates in that ministry. If they're giving in the right way. I'm, here again, I'm not talking about just having money. I'm talking about people who are giving because their hearts are touched by God to give. I told you the Lord dealt with me as I was praying and, and, and thinking about this. The Lord dealt with me about giving to a certain organization. I got excited about it, got emotional about it because I thought, wow, Lord, praise God. That, that's a privilege to be able to do that for somebody, to be able to do that for, for, for these folks. And, and, and it just, it, it, I just got excited about it, amen, about being able to do it. Now, I don't know what God's going to do. I don't know what God has in mind. I just know what he put on my heart, amen? So I'm not giving because I'm, oh, I want to look good and I want to show how big I, no, 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 no. Because I, I wouldn't even think of it, frankly. God put it on my heart. And I knew the moment it's, it's, it, it entered my heart that that was God telling me, this is something I want you to do. And it was this revelation about the life force that God was dealing with me on. How much of your life force are you really releasing? Amen? Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Now, look, we're going to look at a couple of Old Testament scriptures and then we're going to wrap this up. Exodus chapter 35. Exodus chapter 35. Verse 21. This is when Moses was building the tabernacle and they put out the word to the people to bring their gifts, to bring their offerings. And it says in verse 21, everyone came whose heart was stirred. Wow. Hear that. And these weren't even filled, people filled with the Holy Spirit, but their hearts were stirred. It says, and everyone whose spirit was willing Oh, they didn't give because I got a $1,000 line here and a $500 line here and a $100 line here and a $25 line here. Can I get $1,000 over here? <laughs> Lord have mercy. It says, but everyone whose spirit was willing and they brought the Lord's offering for the work of the tabernacle of meeting for all its service and for the holy garment. See, that was one of the finest moments in Israel's history. Amen? Amen. And then look what happened in Exodus 36. Verses three through seven, it says, and they received from Moses all the offering which the children of Israel had brought for the work of the service of making the sanctuary. So look, so they continued bringing to him free will offerings every morning. Now, you know what I believe that means? I believe that means that they would come in the morning and give. And before the day was out, they were blessed again. And they said, well, let's go take some more tomorrow morning. <laughs> Amen. Amen. In other words, God was just giving it to him hand over fist. It says, 
Then all the craftsmen who were doing all the work for the sanctuary came from the work he was doing, and they spoke to Moses saying, the people bring much more than enough for the service of the work which the Lord commanded us to do. So Moses gave a commandment, and they caused it to be proclaimed throughout the camp, saying, let neither man nor woman nor any more work, let neither man nor women do any more work for the offering of the sanctuary. And the people were restrained from bringing. Now, they didn't have banks then, so I don't ever want you all to think I have to do that. <laughs> but there was so much stuff coming, they just said, Moses, stop them. We got too much. But then notice what it says. For the material that they had was sufficient for all the work to be done, indeed too much. You know, we used to have a thing we used to do years ago. We stopped it. it just some, some things kind of fall into to disuse, it's over time, you just get busy and you forget and all of that. Uh, we used to have something called the Too Much Blessing Seed, where we would ask everybody once a year to give a free will offering of the equivalent of a week's pay. And it was based on this scripture. Now, it was just an arbitrary number of weeks pay, but, but you know, it said people could build up to that, they could save that up, save the equivalent of that up, and at a certain time of year we all give that, and it really blessed the ministry. But this, this is the principle, that the more you give, the more God blesses, amen? Amen. And it, it works not only for you as an individual, it works for the church. Praise God. And look, it happened again in Hezekiah's time. He reinstituted the Sabbath and the feasts because former King Ahaz, former King Ahaz had given away the wealth of the temple to the king of Assyria to get his help. Now, I just have to add this footnote. How many Christians are giving away their wealth to the, the equivalent of King Ahaz by donating money to the Democrat Party to help advance killing babies, to help advance transgenderism and homosexuality, and they're going to run to church on Sunday morning and praise the Lord? You are doing exactly the same thing that Ahaz did. Exactly the same thing. You're running up to Assyria saying, Will you, will you help us? Will you help us? And God is standing there saying, well, how, aren't, aren't I enough to help you? What about me? Uh, Lord, hey, you, you're good in some cases, but, but we need the help of people who hate you in order to get by. You understand? That's got to compromise a little bit. Glory to God. I'm not saying that every Democrat hates God. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying that that party has become a godless anti-Christian party. It is just that plain and simple. It has become a Marxist construct that is interested in wrenching God out of the body politic. In fact, right now, saints, right now, there's a major crisis brewing in our country. If they pack the Supreme Court, one of the first things they're going to do is say Christians have no First Amendment rights to deny their so-called discrimination against LGBTQ people. That's one of the first things they want to do. And tell churches, you, can, you can't not hire people to do various things in the church because they happen to be gay. I mean, they're already doing it in college, on college campuses, telling organizations on the college campus, you cannot remain on campus if you discriminate by requiring that your leadership be Christian. Now, how crazy is that? Wait a minute, we're a Christian organization. That doesn't matter. That's discrimination, which means that the Bible is discrimination and Christianity is discrimination. Amen? 
Because the Bible tells us don't be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Why in the world would I put an unbeliever in charge of an organization I'm running? I'd be violating God's word. That's what they have in mind for this country. And you got Christians voting for that mess. Yeah, that's right. It's the King Ahaz of our day. It says in 2 Chronicles 28, verses 22 through 23, it says, Now in the time of his distress, King Ahaz became increasingly unfaithful to the Lord. This is that King Ahaz. For he sacrificed to the gods of Damascus, which had defeated him, saying, Because the gods of the kings of Syria helped them, I will sacrifice to them that they may help me. But they were the ruin of him and all Israel. Yeah, I know that the gods of that party, the gods of, of Molech sacrificing children, the gods of Balaam, uh, 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 all kinds of sexual perversion, don't agree with my God, but I will sacrifice to them because they may help me. But they were the ruin of him and all of Israel. And if we, if Christians keep following that mess, they're going to be the ruin of themselves. And if we don't stop them by the grace of almighty God, they're going to ruin this country. Hallelujah. But Hezekiah was a different story. Look, he reversed everything Ahaz did. Hezekiah was kind of the Trump of his day. <laughs> He came in and just wrecked, up all, wrecked all of Ahaz's stuff, took down the altars and, and cleansed out the temple. And, and look, the man had, can you imagine that? He had sold the temple wares, I mean, given the temple wares to Assyria, trying to buy security for himself. Well, you know, if I do that, maybe I could keep my job because then, you know, they won't, they won't bother me over, you know, these other issues that, oh, Lord, have mercy. If God be God, serve him. Amen. Amen. And if Baal be God, just go ahead and declare yourself a Baalist and serve him. Glory to God. But look, Hezekiah was a different story. Hezekiah, and a, a, by the way, Ahaz was a traitor to God. He was a traitor to God. But Hezekiah said everything right. Second Chronicles 31, verses 4 and 5, Hezekiah says, Moreover, he commanded the people who dwelt in Jerusalem to contribute support for the priests and the Levites that they might devote themselves to the law of the Lord. He said, look, from, we, we're reinstating the priesthood. Start giving so that these folk can focus on God's law. Amen. Then he said, as soon as the commandment was circulated, the children of Israel brought abundance, uh, brought an abundance, the first fruits of grain and wine, oil and honey and all the produce of the field. And they brought in abundantly the tithe of everything. And then in the seventh to tenth verse, it says what was the result. It says in the third month, they began laying up, laying them in heaps and they finished in the seventh month. And when Hezekiah and the leaders came and saw the heaps, they blessed the Lord and his people. Just like in second Corinthians verse nine, it says, our giving causes thanksgiving to God. Amen. Says they bless the Lord and his people. See how the old covenant and the new covenant agree. It says, then Hezekiah questioned the priests and the Levites concerning the heaps. In other words, he said, man, where'd all these heaps come from? It says, and Azariah, the chief priest of the house of Zadok, answered him and said, since the people began to bring the offerings into the house of the Lord, we have had enough to eat and have plenty left. Look, for the Lord has blessed his people 
and what is left is this great abundance. In other words, they say we're blessed, the people are blessed, and we got plenty left over. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Saints, it works not only for you as an individual, it'll work for your family, it'll work for the church, it'll work for a nation. Amen? Amen. So look, true disciples are givers. Luke 6.38, which was our key text here, give and it will be given to you.